Welcome to Because You Need to Know. I'm Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Hi, everyone, and good day to you. I'm Sarah Barrett Hampton, coming to you almost live from South Texas, here just outside of Houston, near the bay. Not on the bay, because I'm not rich like that, but near the bay, <laughs> close enough to get some fishing and, and some nice walks with the dog in. I'm coming here to hang out with Edwin this morning and talk about our take on knowledge management. It's a little bit different for everybody, but it is also for everyone. My background is in library science. I think that was the first job, the first career that I said, Lord, this is what I want to do. I changed majors so many times. I wasted so much money, but <laughs> library science found me. Actually, it was the library director from University of Nevada, Las Vegas, who found me waiting in line at the reference desk. I said, wow, who is this cool cat with a ponytail and a suit? You mean librarians can be cool? This is awesome. I think that's a new thing. Yeah. Oh, it could be. It could be. I don't know. I've, I've been I've been working over 22 years in the same field trying to make that happen. Now, does that mean I'm a librarian? No, it doesn't. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But as with everything, with our passions, our curiosity, what drives us, my library career has grown. And that's really what interests me about some of the concepts that I've heard coming through lately. Um, some of the things I've been listening to, what's really grabbed my attention, the ideas of grit. Angela Duckworth's research and presentation on grit, which is you know doing the right thing because you feel that it's right, because you have passion and perseverance for it. And I think that that's where I've been in knowledge management, which library science is a piece of that. It's a flavor of that. And for me, the adventure has been finding and defining what my own grit is and how that carries through to other things. I thought my entire career was gonna be in an academic library, I honestly did. That's all I wanted to do. I told my boss, I remember my, my first interview at the library and I told my boss, I wanna do research for people who are getting their doctorates. That was what I, I thought that was gonna be where, you know, as soon as I achieve that, I would be happy and I wouldn't need anything else and life would be forever perfect. But <laughs> as with everything, things change. You got to roll with it. You got to adjust your approach and keep moving on. And I'm happy to have found a path that led me outside of the library, but really helped me to grow kind of doing similar things though. The purpose is still the same. It's still information systems. It's still connecting might be connecting people, but I love the idea of connecting the systems so that they can be tools for the people to help us move forward. A little bit about that uh, library background so I can kind of move on from that topic because it's really deep in my heart, you know. I'd have to say that my mentor from way back in the day, the library director I worked for, Sharon Holquist at the Ivy Tech Community College, really helped me through. We're still in contact uh, regularly after all these years. Moving on from the library, I got into taxonomy, which is really, um, I have found to be closer to what my personal grit is. 
And that's finding the foundational thing that makes systems work, the foundational knowledge, the, the common vocabulary to say, hey, this is how I can talk to you. This is how you can talk to me so that we understand what each other are saying. This might not actually be people talking to each other. It could be more of a taxonomy ontology situation where systems can get to talk to each other. But hey, that's just another form of collaboration. And that's knowledge management for you. I love it. Language seems to be the common thread of everything you're talking about. Because you cannot have a taxonomy or an ontology unless you have a common language. Absolutely true. Where yes. Where is your Rosetta Stone? I challenge your departments. Some people call it IT. Some, you know, in different organizations have different names for it. But the department that brings new technology and tools to the people, to the business who need to do work, I challenge that idea. Say, hey, what do we have now? Why doesn't it work? What? You mean not just buy the next thing? Just actually do some analysis of why the current thing is not working first? I, I think that that's, uh, that has been the tune that has been sung at conferences <laughs> for the last decade. <laughs> um, so everybody wants to buy a solution. Sure. They don't want to work at it. They just want to buy a solution. But let's get back to the taxonomy. Can you give me a brief description of what that is for our listeners? Sure. So... Taxonomy would really just be a common vocabulary, a controlled vocabulary where we have an authoritative term or definition of that term, and then the things that relate to it. And that would be the ontology. Okay. No matter, you can put it in different formats. You have lots of different ways to describe it and different schemas. Can you give me just, could you just walk us through a good example of how a taxonomy slash ontology would look? Had experience in a couple of different ways. There's more of a, a data-driven way, and that's where you want your systems to talk to each other. Okay. It's a little less, a little less human-readable. Yeah. You know, a little more codified. Makes sense. Yeah. And that is often turned towards internal processes, internal connections between systems, which absolutely, fundamentally, needs to happen. If you want systems to talk to each other. What comes first, the people talking to each other or the systems? Mm, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> and, and I'd have to say it depends on the content yeah, and, yeah. and how you're connecting that. Because that's the, the other kind, the other form of taxonomy and ontology and semantic analysis that kind of comes into play. And that's with a more editorial type of content, one that the end user can see. And that's really where I've been a little mm. more focused is because it's a little more on the linguistic base, how it impacts findability in the function of search, but as well as the user experience, mm -hmm. how the different things you can do with your ontology and your associative and equivalent relationships impact the user experience so that folks can say, these are my search results. Great. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Now, how do I get to relevancy? You still got to parse it out to show what's relevant and what's not. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a challenge. Uh, let's back this up just a little bit, though, because maybe not all of our listeners are at the level of where you're talking this engagement would be. So let's give an example of something that a smaller organization may be more critical to understand, which is just in what you're talking about with the taxonomy, is the route to most organizations to have a common language is a glossary 
or something that defines what things are in your organization. In your experience, do you find that most organizations come with that or don't have that? And why does it matter? I, I have to say that I've seen the full spectrum from big business to small, independently owned, and pretty much everything in between. I can honestly say that the most successful are the things that have a combination of both, that are allowing the systems to connect to each other, but also really taking into consideration the value of having a user interface that isn't necessarily the same for everybody, but easy to use, easy to manipulate so that people can address it at their own level. And by that, I'm talking about your performance search, a query, you're looking for something. Gosh, Amazon is probably one of the easiest examples that is used. It's almost almost getting trite by this point because at least as someone that we are something, sorry, that we can all relate with, you know, all right, I have a search, I need to find these things. Now, what are the most useful ways to sort that thing? Mm -hmm. So um, Amazon is a perfect, easy example. It could be you are an aftermarket manufacturer of parts for fluid control systems. Okay. The way that you define the parts you're working on, what the original manufactured equipment is, who your vendors are, what kind of testing, all of these things play into the situation of absolutely requiring a controlled vocabulary and agreed upon way to share information. And it gets so much more important when you go to a global system and you have people from different cultures and different languages. Because translation is not direct. And you don't have to be a huge company to have that problem. Well, what do you find is uh, a key ingredient to success if an organization has not given much thought to a common language, definitions, uh, that sort of thing, in order to prepare them to go digitized? Let's say they're not to the level you are. Uh, that you've been speaking of, where we're talking system to system. Let's just say they're just maybe expanding their footprint to a regional footprint, and they're starting to feel the pain of different parts of the area where they are and how culture plays into that regionality and terms. Words mean things, right? <laughs> and that's the really the, the key ingredient is that what I think it means may not be what you think it means. And it's not to say what I think it means is even correct to begin with. If you don't have a findable, researchable, and agreeable terminology list of definitions of the base language that is part of your org, how do you plant that seed to make it grow in your organization if you're very immature yet in this model? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And something that doesn't have one answer, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, All depends, of the above. Right? Yeah, it, right? It depends. Typical <laughs> consultant answer. But it, it honestly does. I think there are some things that can be done, though, to improve the chances of success. And ultimately, it comes back to the people. Instilling in the folks that you work with, like the need to be flexible, the need to change up what's always been done. And I've seen this especially in small business where you might be established in your methodology of customer service. 
printing off the report so that you can put it in a file so you can pull it up later so that you can read it back when you call someone on the phone. I've seen the, that type of need, you know, where digitization is coming, but the biggest block is the acceptance level of the people. Hmm. You know, knowing that, regardless of the size of your department, your organization, your company, knowing that it's, it's really the acceptance of people and change, like what can we do to make that more successful? And that's where this whole other focus of knowledge management, which is change management, comes into play to improve adoptability, to improve success. Well, I was talking a little bit about how I wish that IT departments would really just take a step back and look at the systems that they have and what's going on. That goes further than just the idea of adopting an entire new fix-all, be-all system. It really goes to the fact that I think it's 70% of all major projects fail because of the lack of change management. Because the adoption of the people who need to use the system hasn't yeah. taken place. Yeah, I agree with that because I've seen it that organizations buy wholeheartedly into a system that worked great at the C level, or they showed them all the widgets that were going to be awesome. But then it's like deployment and employment, two different things, right? Deployment means rolling something out. Employment means actually the people that get it actually use it. Because you're right, there can be such a resistance to any kind of implementation, regardless if it's digital or not, just behavior change is really the key ingredient. It, it really is. I think there are a couple of things that can help with that. One is, you know, really demonstrating the value to the people to say, hey, you know, we are manufacturing aftermarket parts and our specifications have to be within a micrometer. We don't have room to mess up. If we put out a bunch of these valves and they're off, We've wasted a lot of money demonstrating the value to everyone from the grassroots to the top floor. I hear a drum beat, and that cues me up to ask you, what's your definition of knowledge management? Oh gosh, it depends on what hat I'm wearing that day. <laughs> How many hats do you have? Um, not enough, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think that this is what happens as I, I get the lens. It's the, the knowledge management lens where I see everything is related to knowledge management, <laughs> the controlled vocabulary, the change management, the user interface, the taxonomy and ontology. It's all related to knowledge management. And oh, and throw a library in there too, because it's all related. But it kind of goes back to the grit. It's like the thing that you're doing, you believe it. And the thing that, that got me Literally, I was 21 years old. The thing that got me was information. And so the different ways that information management is applied and successfully carried out, that's, that's just another cut, another slice, another perspective of knowledge management. But it comes back to the same thing. It's just taking a different perspective, changing the approach, finding what's going to work, what connects what connects people, what connects the systems that they work with, and what connects the content within those systems. So I'm not hearing anything about, um, I'm, I'm hearing all about connection. Everything is about connecting. And how does that relate to the purpose of the organization? So you can have something super connected, right? But where do you get the focus of the drive and or mission? Is that part of KM? Absolutely. 
everything you do has to roll up. Acting outside of the mission and vision is not a recipe for success for the for the company or the knowledge management organization within the company. Yeah, everything you do needs to be for a purpose, you know. But again, that's also back to the grit. It's that we we're connecting to people and systems for the purpose of moving forward with our company. Now, that can be in different areas of the company and different bits of the business. Sure. But overall, we are all together one company moving forward. So in your ideal situation, the role of knowledge management is not by section or department. It is enterprise integrated. Oh, absolutely. But not just a top level kind of icing on the cake kind of thing. It is down in the depth, in the yeah. lifeblood and the breathing of folks who are working at all of them. It's in the muscle memory of all that is part of it. It's just part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other bits of uh, good news or shout out to anybody? Anybody that's a knowledge management name or resource for you would like to share? Oh, goodness. There, there, there are many. However, there are a couple of people over the years who have been inspirational or who I have enjoyed getting to work mm. with or learning from. Gosh, all the way back in, in taxonomy and services, Seth Early and Associates, Stephanie Lemieux, who now chairs Taxonomy Bootcamp, all very inspirational kind of people. Yeah, I, lots of folks at, at lots of different <laughs> levels, for sure, who deserve a more shout out than I can give okay. them. Your inspiration, where would you say you hang your hat on inspiration? Uh, your yeah. grit? Who gets who gets the shout out in that yeah, realm? I think, actually, that, that's pretty interesting. Because my grit, as I found, is foundational. It's, you know, yes, there are different perspectives, but I'm more foundational. How is the system talking? If these, this system doesn't talk to that one, all the rest of the stuff <laughs> doesn't count. You know, it's, it's taxonomy, it's ontology. My grit is foundational, but that doesn't negate the value of the grit of my colleagues who do also amazing work and also necessary things. We need to have a voice. A, we need to keep our executives engaged to let them know, you know, this quiet work, it's often seen as sitting in the back or background work, but it is absolutely critical to getting the front end thing to work. And so we need people who can regularly engage and share that. I just wanted to say that my grid isn't the same as everyone else's, but it doesn't negate the value of theirs. Something that keeps me going is to say, it's not over and I can't sing. The older I get, the closer I get to becoming the fat lady, but it's, it's all right. You're never finished. You're never just done. It's, it's not that you became a librarian or an academic library and you're done. No, there is so much no. more to do. You know, you just got to push yourself to do the next thing. And that might be something big. It might be something smaller. It might be finishing mm -hmm. Atlas Shrugged that I started 20 years ago. But, you know. <laughs> Persistence shows up at different speeds. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been a blast. I hope to see you around again. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. 
I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.